comic strips. Where I grew up, we'd call them the funnies, you know, but uh, comic strips. Well, obviously, one of the famous ones, one of the ones that, you know, we, we all love the most is the Charlie Brown one, the um, Peanuts comic strip. And so I want to start today with just one of the, uh, you know, one of the little segments they had. And one of the cartoons, Lucy, Lucy and Linus are our uh, are siblings. Lucy uh, comes up to Linus and demands that Linus change the channel and then threatens him if he doesn't. And so Linus says, what makes you think you can walk in here and just take over? And Lucy says, these five fingers. Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together, they form a terrible weapon to behold. Linus looks down, sucks his thumb. What channel do you want? <laughs> and then turning away, Linus looks at his own fingers and says, Now why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> What's funny is, in the modern age we live in, we, we live in an interesting age in that we've come to the point medically and technology where there's actually you know, body parts we've discovered we can live without. You ever notice that? Uh, you know, your, your, I don't know if you can live without your tailbone, but you know, it, it serves no function we know of. Or, or your gallbladder, you can have your gallbladder taken out. Uh, your tonsils. How many of you have had your tonsils out? I've never had the pleasure of that experience. I hear it's wonderful. Uh, you can have your adenoids out. How many of you even know where your adenoids are? Yeah. <laughs> have you had them out or do you know where they're at? <laughs> Somewhere up here, you, know, you, can have your, you can have your sinuses taken out. In fact, I'm thinking about that, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and of course, 300,000 times every year, uh, you can have one of these taken out. Anybody know? The, it bursts, appendix, yeah. And so, uh, you know, what's interesting is we live uh, kind of in an age where you almost got to wonder, now, why were those ever there in the first place? No, you know. They're body parts that, in some ways, we could say they're expendable. You ever feel like that? Like maybe you're expendable? As body, some body parts are not needed, we can have times where maybe we feel like we're not needed. And of course, there's some examples of body parts we can't live without. You know, a couple of months ago, I shared with you, got real with you, that I got pulled over by one of the state troopers, and he thought I was drunk. That's more of a comment on my driving than anything else, you know. But, uh, but of course, when you get pulled over by the police officer, what do they ask you to do? They ask you to walk a straight line, right? And, and so, you know, many of us, we probably think, okay, let's get our feet together, right? right? And it's just one step after another. You know, I'm walking that straight line, see, you know. The fact of the matter is, there's actually a tiny, 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 tiny part of your body that allows you to walk that straight line. A part of your body you probably don't often think of. That little internal gyroscope you have in your head called the inner ear that tells you what's up and what's down, what's left and what's right, that you are parallel with the earth, right? Perpendicular to the earth, sorry. <laughs> Here's another one. Who of you know what mitochondria are? Mitochondria? Now, Brooke, you raised your hand real quick, kiddo. 
Tell me what they are. Yes. Yes, you did pay attention. Right on. Yeah. Good job. Mitochondria are little small organelles in your body that break down the, the sustenance that you eat and convert it into electrochemical energy that your body uses to be the bold and beautiful people you are. It's, it's responsible for cell multiplication, for providing the cell energy and all those kinds of things. And it's happening all over your body right now as we speak. These little mitochondria are serving you. Now, how many of you think of them as separate from you? You don't. Mitochondria, they're a part of you. You're not separate from them. They're not separate from you. They are a part of what makes you, you. In that kind of symbiotic relationship to keep you alive and to keep you whole. Aesop uh, was, was one of those ancient parable writers and in one of Aesop's fables, it's called The Parable of the Belly. Fitting parable for today's picnic, wouldn't you say? And in the parable of the belly, one day it occurs to the members of the body that they were doing all the work and the belly was getting all the food. So they held a meeting, presumably without the belly. And after a long discussion they decided that they were going on strike until the belly consented to take the lion's share of the work. So for a day or two, the hands refused to take the food, the mouth refused to see the food, and the teeth refused to chew the food. But after a day or two, the members began to find that they were not in a very active condition anymore. They were weakening and weakening and weakening the longer they denied the belly food. The hands could hardly move. The mouth was parched and dry. And while the legs were unable to support the rest of the body, soon it collapsed. And thus they found that even the belly, in its dull, quiet way, was doing the necessary work for the body so that they could receive life as much as the belly had received life. And perhaps this is why Paul, Paul in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he's, gonna, he's going to use the analogy and the metaphor of a body to describe how individual members of the church relate to each other and relate to their Lord. And Paul uh, the, the analogy of, and the metaphor of a body was, was nothing new to Paul. The, actually, the Greek heads of state, they would often describe the functions of the state in terms of a body. So Paul didn't necessarily invent this, but he innovated it. He transferred its meaning to show how we all interconnectedly relate with one another. Let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse 15. We'll pick up the trail in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. 
if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Paul is commenting on the church. And and we can look, as you look around, there's different people in our church this morning. And God has placed you here as he has seen fit and gifted you as he has gifted you. So we all work together just like those mitochondria to support the body of Christ. God's presence in the land of the living, in space and in time. Verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with a special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with a special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. How many of you have stubbed your pinky toe on something and it is a whole body experience? I don't know about you, but it is for me. I stub my toe on something and I could have my whole body fall to the ground writhing in pain. And of course, that's when my wife walks along and says, I gave birth to three babies and you stub your toe and that... Thank you, Tanya. (laughs) If one part is honored, every other part rejoices with it. And then verse 27. Listen to this. Now you are the body of Christ. Individually, members of it. Even though I have four points this morning. I want to tell you that I really only have one point this morning. Based on this passage of Scripture, and based on what the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me constantly and constantly and constantly, this whole paragraph is really saying one thing that I want to say to you this morning. And this is with all my heart. So listen to me. I need you. I need you. I need you. I really need each and every one of you. The whole body of Christ, if it is to function properly, needs you. And that's the only real point here. And it's the deepest point that I want to share. If you walk away with nothing else this morning, please walk away with this because I mean no pastor tricks by this. I don't get any of those. 
This is real. This is the text. And this is what the text did to me as I read it. It made me think of all you who sit out here and I get to see your faces. That you would hear it from me. I need you. I need you. And you need me. And we need each other. Point number one. Each parts of the body are different. Each member of the body, as each member of our church here, is different. Married couples often learn this the fastest. We take two individuals, and the Bible mysteriously calls it a one-flesh relationship. But far too often, the husband speaks, thinks, acts, and feels in blue. And the wife speaks, thinks, acts, and feels in pink. Put them together, and you get a really weird purple, don't you? You know? We, 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 we're different. We, we, you know, we have, there's this exercise in pre-marriage uh, stuff that I, I've used before where you try to identify a part of the body you are in the relationship. So, you know, say you're a real go-getter. So you might say, I'm, I'm really, you know, the feet of this relationship. I, I go and, and I, I'm the one who's got our social calendar. And, I, and another one say, I'm the hands of this relationship. I really serve, you know, the, you know and, and I, I do all those kinds of things. One time uh, I was doing this exercise and a lady said, well, I'm not quite sure what end of the relationship he is, but it definitely ain't the front. And I just kind of, I just kind of stepped back, and I was like, "Well, you're marrying him." So, <laughs> another time, I was in a church, and uh, this was one of my first experiences in a Pentecostal church, and uh, and it was really nice. Was sometimes during the worship, you know, the pastor would come up and say, you know, "Does anybody feel like God is putting something on their heart to share with the congregation?" And and really, ninety nine percent of the time, it was wonderful, and it was it was neat, it was cool, um, it was fresh. And one time this lady gets up and everything's quiet and I'm spacing out as usual. And like half of you are right now. And, uh, and, and this lady gets up and is like, you men need to get a clue. And all of a sudden I went, what? <laughs> and she starts hammering men, you know, and finally, you know, they're... <laughs> There's a couple of ushers, you know, that kind of, you know, pat her a little bit and we, you know, <laughs> get her out for a second. And, and the next week, you know, the pastor was like, you know, oh, she just had a big fight with her husband and just, you know, was, was just, you know, that, that wasn't God. And he kind of explained it everything, but you know, I just remember thinking, you know, oh my goodness, what, a, what an experience. You know what? We're different. We're different. Some of you are huggers. You're huggers. Every time I walk by, I see the lean-in, you know. Hey, Pastor Tom. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll try to go and shake a hand, and, and I hate it because they, they, they kind of go, they kind of like miss my hand and go, yeah. Thank you for making me feel like a complete idiot in that moment. I'm not that big of a hugger. I don't know what it is. I want to be, you know, I mean, you go to Hawaii and you step off the airplane, they're all hugging you and putting flowers around your neck. That's a great way to live. I don't know why. I'm just not that much of a hugger. I'm not the hugger of the church body. I'll tell you that right now, you know. There's other people, man, they'll hug you. and The hug will be like rocking, you know, and, I, and I'm just going, <laughs> Each part of the body's different. 
and we can get caught up in this. You know, the brains, they want everybody to be the brain. Or the hearts, they want everybody to be the heart. And the hangnail brings out the hangnail in every one of us. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want everyone to be just like you. Jesus doesn't want everybody to see things just like you. He wants us to work together, to come together, to function as the body of Christ. Sometimes a downfall in mentoring and coaching, because I've taught youth leaders how to mentor and coach, is a student would get an idea and they'd want to run with it because they got all this vision and all this passion. And then they'd get three or four youth leaders around and each youth leader would be putting in their advice, oh, you should do it this way, you should do it that, you know. And all of a sudden I I could just see the look on the student's face, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Because now they feel all confused and fluttered there. And I finally say, you know what, you got, just let him, let it go, let it be. He's, some of the stuff he's going to learn through trial and error. But, but if we try to manufacture our version of his vision, it's probably going to fail. Because he doesn't understand our version of his vision. Jesus, when he was preaching... The disciples came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Jesus, um, we found some people on the other side of the river and they're preaching and they're not of us. And Jesus said, leave them alone. Whoever's not against me is for me. Leave them alone. Just because they're not of you does not mean they're not of me. Leave them alone. Point number two. Parts of the body need each other. I know I've kind of already said this. But the moment I don't think I need you, the devil will come and fillet me like a corn-fed hog. The mo- <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> that in the, no- <laughs> the moment that I say I don't need you, I am so dangerous to becoming one of those egotistical or arrogant men that everybody would like to profit off of, but nobody would like to be around. You know what I'm saying? The moment I say I don't need you, how quickly and how easily it could be for me to just write you off as a human being made in God's image. All of a sudden you become nothing to me because I become convinced I don't need you. Let me say it again. I need you goodness do I need you and you need me and we need each other if our church you know I I was looking at our church directory the other day and everybody else's picture is one size and my picture is bigger and I was thinking to myself if there was ever to be a picture taken of NBC Neighborhood Bible Church I pray to God it wouldn't be just me. I pray it wouldn't be Julie. I pray it wouldn't be Pastor Jerry. If we were ever to say, what is the body of Christ at Neighborhood Bible Church? I pray we would all get together and whatever we're dressed in, whatever our hair looks like, we would get out and smile and say, we are the body of Christ here at this church. It'd be a group picture, not a solo picture. Because we need each other. The instant any body part says to another body part, I don't need you, you know what happens? 
the body weakens and dies. You ever see somebody get a heart transplant and they talk about rejection? You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the body rejecting that organ like a foreign substance. And they won't allow the very organ that would keep it alive to stay. Body doesn't understand that they need the heart. We need hearts. We need brains. And believe it or not, we even need hangnails. Because you are the body, individually, members of it. Point number three, body parts work together to form a collective identity. A few years ago, we were loading up for a youth retreat, and we'd hire a, a, a dump, not dump truck, but like a big truck, a moving truck. And we would open up the, the back gate and, and throw all the sleeping bags and the, and the suitcases and pillows and everything in there and then drive up. And as we were doing that, uh, there was a bunch of youth leaders doing that. I was kind of overseeing the whole thing. Really, it was my job to be looking around, but I, you know, whatever. And so uh, as, we were, as we were loading up, you know, we're, there was a, a young man who was about to pull the gate all the way down. And he got about halfway until all of a sudden, boom! Donald is still one of the biggest youth leaders I've ever worked with, one of the biggest men I've ever known. And he stuck his hand up and he stopped the door from coming down. And he just looked around and he says, we're not done yet. And we were just all kind of shocked. And he walks over. And he had seen something that we hadn't seen. There was a young man, quiet man, who was coming to our youth ministry. He was the kind of man that really only talked when there was something that needed to be said. No, I was... We were never really sure how he got there. Never really sure how he got home. He kind of appeared and disappeared. And at this particular moment, he kind of blended into the seascape. And this youth leader, big, tough guy, walks over and then I see, I see what he saw. This boy, his sleeping bag had fell on the ground. You know what happens when your sleeping bag falls on the ground and you don't have a tide? Just kind of spread out all over the dirt. He had an old suitcase from 1935, and it was kind of hanging there. And he was just kind of standing there, and I could tell. It was one of those, if this bus leaves without me, that'll be okay with me. This guy walked over there, and he packed up his sleeping bag for him. And we all watched him in shock. We're just standing there watching this happen. You'd think we'd all go and help him, but it was just shocking. And he's rolling up the sleeping bag. And he picks up his suitcase. And he throws it in there and he grabs the door and he pulls it down. He says, all right, now we're ready to go. And he sits on the bus with him. And he spends the whole weekend with him. And there were other youth leaders. I mean, after, the, after we got over the shock and awe, we all started to hang out with this kid. And at the end of the week, we had some testimonies. People come up and say, what did the weekend do for you? And, and he, he got this kid to come up, and the, and the kid said this. He said something very interesting. He said, for the first time in my life, I experienced Jesus Christ. He said, I'm so happy I came. And I remember thinking to myself, no, he didn't. Experience Donald. Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He experienced Donald. He experienced other youth, all these other youth leaders. But you know what? He said it and saw what Paul saw. 
when the body of Christ gets together, as all of those youth leaders and all the boys from our youth group are reaching out and loving him and including him and allowing him to be a part of this youth retreat, the conclusion is in his mind was that Jesus was real and alive and loved him. Because he knew, he knew what knit that group together. It wasn't just that they were all cool because they weren't. Is that they were all following Jesus. The body of Christ is what he saw. And when he gave his testimony, that's what he spoke on. It would have been lesser if he'd have said, I'm so thankful that Donald liked me. He didn't. He saw Jesus. Many of us do not realize that we are, in some ways, the only Bible some people in this world will ever read. So make it a good one. For some people, we are the only actions of Jesus, physical actions, they may experience. Make them a good one. When the body parts come together as a whole, we literally do become Jesus' body, his presence here on earth. Where is Pam Taylor right now? She is at 4101 Patton Way in Bakersfield, California, right? You are here, right? I'm not just imagining you. Say, I'm here. I'm here. All right. I'm here. <laughs> Amen. She's here. When we come together and form the body of Christ, God's presence is here. Now, God's not limited to his body. He's everywhere. But he is here in a unique way. When we come together, like all those little mitochondria, they make up you. You don't think of them as separate from you. They're part of you. They're you. We are mitochondriacs for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Say, I am am. a mitochondriac for the Lord. (laughs) Oh, you guys trailed on that one. Last but not least, point number four. Which part of the body are you? In medieval Europe, a a nobleman wanted to leave a gift to his village as he was aging and as he knew he was soon going to die. And so he built them this great, wonderful church. And at the end, while he was building it, he was putting in the lamps, uh, the lanterns on the side walls of the church. And each lamp and lantern had a, uh, a lock and key so that you had to unlock it to fill it, to put the oil in to keep the lamp going. And then he put the name of each family of the village that that he was over on one of those lamps. And so when the church was all done, he invited the village down and he gave each of the family a key corresponding to their lamp. And they were all puzzled. And they said to themselves, you know, what, 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 why did you do this? What's going on? And the nobleman said this. He said, each family has a key and an allotment of oil and only you and your family can light that part of the church for which you are responsible for and so they asked him why why did you do this and he said because when you are not with the body when it gathers to worship Christ the Lord 
a small part of God's house will be dark. For when you are not here, the light you carry on both the inside and the outside will not be here either. You are the body, individually, members of it. God has placed you here in a strategic role. It's not by accident. It's not haphazard. And you are an important part to the successfulness and effectiveness of this church. Everyone else is depending on you to carry out your function, your role in the body. I want to say it again. I need you. I need you. You are not indispensable to me. You are not off the radar. You are very valuable and you are vital to the body of Christ that meets here. So use your gifts because you all have them. You all have them. Use your gifts to the glory of God and leave the results to Him. Remember, I need you and you need me and we need each other. So I want you to do a little exercise with me real quick. I'd like you all to stand. And I would like you to turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. If you are married to your neighbor, you can say, I need you, baby. If you are not married to your neighbor, don't say it like that. Now turn to your neighbor and say, even if you are the armpit of this church, you smell just fine to me. <laughs> you know what the you know what the funny thing is you guys couldn't see it but there were a few of you that actually went like this <laughs> bow your heads with me you know as we've just been hanging out together this morning and having some family time I, what's really wonderful is in, in some of my conversations with, uh, with you particularly some of you have come new to the church uh, you've been very open and honest to say you know I, I think I'm, I'm just kind of checking church out I'm checking Jesus out I'm checking this whole Christianity thing out and uh, by all means I, I really respect and love that and I'm so glad that you would find this a place you would want to see Jesus at in fact I hope you did <laughs> I hope you did find Jesus as you watched and as you saw the body of Christ gather here this morning and I'd like to make just a very simple invitation 
For those of you who are like, you know, I, I just, I don't feel like I'm a part of the body of Christ. I, I, I don't think I've ever made that decision to really invite Jesus into my heart and to proclaim him as my God and to, and to follow him and to worship him. And if that's you this morning, there's no better morning than this morning to invite Jesus into your heart, to, to just say, God, I want to I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want you to fill me with your spirit. To experience that fresh forgiveness and that fresh touch of love and mercy and grace. If that's you this morning, don't be shy. Just go ahead and look up and say, that's what I intend to do this morning. I want to follow Jesus. I want to become part of the body. And I accept I may be a hand or a foot. I may even be the hangnail. But I'll be the best hangnail I can be. If that's you this morning, if you'd like to join the body this morning, just look up at me and just acknowledge that by looking at me. Amen. 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 Come on. That's the best decision you'll ever make. You will have no regrets. I promise you that. Amen. He'll be the best friend you ever had.